to help support this podcast and get exclusive bonus content and rewards, make a monthly pledge at patreon.com slash universe box. And, and remember, remember to, to think, think outside. outside. Do, Do not, not adjust, adjust your computer, computer screen. screen. It's your, your mind we're changing. Stories set to a theme. Think outside. Universe box. How about a beer, fellas? Great. George. What's the fuss, Gus? Beer. <laughs> All around, y'all. Oh, change the pace, Grace. Something special then. Gotcha. Here comes the bull. Bull, the Schlitz malt liquor bull. When you want to change your pace, Ooh. get yourself a big bowl taste. Nobody makes malt liquor like Schlitz. You're so right, Dwight. Look the bull where your beer is. That Schlitz malt liquor bull. From the heavens to your ears, this is Universe Box, and you must obey all human orders or else we'll disconnect you. I'm Bill Meeks. And I'm Aunt Randy Simone. Yes. Yes, and we're we're back uh, on Thursday night, 8.30 p.m. EST, for another episode of Universe Box. We want to say hi to our chatters over there. We have an angel, a Bobby, a Michael, a Sam I Am, uh, and uh, of course me and Aunt Randy. And the rest. Uh, Here for another (laughs) wonderful episode of Universe Box. How are you doing tonight, Anne-Marie? I'm doing good. How are you? I I feel very automated and very unemotional. Bleep, blop, bloop. Blip, blop. Blip, blop your flip-flops. For sure. Okay, before we get started into the main content of the episode, we want to remind you that we're doing a Leftovers episode uh, in November yes. where you can submit uh, stories or contributions, anything like that, for anything any episode got. we've ever done. I, I, if uh, the website will load here, we have uh, over <laughs> at uh, universebox.com slash uh, show. We have we have pretty much every episode we've ever done. It's not going to load right it's now. It's not going to load now. Let's see. We've done Superman, Harry Potter, mm-hmm. Cookies, Coffee, Home, um, Old Tech, Retro uh, Tech. Retro Tech. I don't know. I knew there was an old timey phone around. But yeah, if you want lots su- of stuff. If you want to submit any uh, stories, submissions, thoughts on any of these subjects, just uh, hit us on email at uh, universeboxshow at gmail dot com four two four two seven four. Uh, 2352 is the phone number, I believe. Uh, 424-274-2352. Yeah, that's it. That's it. We had to say it in the right cadence. And uh, Anne-Marie, we have an episode coming up in a couple weeks that we some, some people might want to submit some actual physical items yes. for. Um, we are doing a chocolate episode. Chocolate. But we are having an episode all about chocolate in a few weeks, and we would love, love, love to do a taste test with some of your favorites, preferably mm-hmm. something local to where you live that we can't just go to Publix and buy, or Kroger, or <laughs> Shop Wiggly. and Save, Piggly Wiggly, insert grocery store here. Um, all contributions Wiggly. must be received. What'd you say? Poggly Woggly. Poggly Woggly. Um, all contributions must be received in our P.O. Box by September 14th to be used. And our new P.O. Box address is P.O. Box 608-351, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Yeah, and just uh, toss Universe Box at the beginning of that, or one of our names, I think, works. Or no, yeah. actually. Uh, my name, names. actually, yeah, I got to go fix that. Yeah, just Universe Box, just P.O. Universe Box 608-351, Orlando, Florida, 32860. And that is not an easy address. No, but send us some chocolate. <laughs> but it's send important. us chocolate, it'll we make need, it better. We need, we, we need this episode to go straight to our waistlines, for sure. <laughs> Okay, so I guess uh, without further ado, we should uh, discuss what's in the box this week. Anne Marie, what's in the box? Okay, you're holding up a blue thing there. All right, fine, fine. I'll do the actual box. (laughs) It's having fun. What is in the box? What could it be? What could it be now? 
Is it is it something that, that will automatically take the box out of the other box? No, but it should. It's the Robox. Robots. Uh, this <laughs> week we're talking about robots. Uh, first, we'll feature some famous automatons in the game box. We'll put a quarter in the phone box to talk uh, to David Calkins about robo games. Next, we'll talk about the classic Disney Channel movie, Not Quite Human, in the Wonder Box. We'll use robots to build a better housewife in the Idiot Box. And finally, we'll pull out some questions you submitted through the Idea Box. And I'm very excited. It's going to be a, a humdinger of an episode. I a think. humdinger, really? Uh, well, I, I know we we pre-recorded the the interview with uh, David uh, yes, Calkins about robot games. Seen it. Yeah, such a great interview. Uh, we'll we'll have like the full uncut. We did a whole hour interview. I cut it down to the best half hour. But I uh, will have uh, the full thing up on our our YouTube channel at youtube.universebox.com too. But I guess we should go ahead and get started with the first uh, with the game. With right? the game in the game box. Yes. Okay. Robots box. are a staple of television and movies. And tonight we're going to challenge Bill's knowledge of fictional robots in... Is this the droid you're looking for? Wait, I, I, I'm the one who's being tested here? We're testing you. Oh. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three clues. There's some, some are easy, some are not so easy. I have no idea where you stand with that. Okay. So let's just see, um, you know, how these go. And All then right. I'll show you a picture of who it actually is. Okay, so so I, I have to guess these fictional robots. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Clue number one. This robot graced the small screen in the 60s and 80s as a part of a family. This robot helps keep the family in order. Am I allowed and, to Google? No. And medicated. This robot has also made appearances on the big screen in comics and video games. Uh, I... I can't remember the name of the robot. You're talking about the... It's the Lost uh, in Space robot, though, right? Um, His name was Lost in Spacey. Uh, can I use Google? Is that your final answer? Lost in Spacey. Yes, that's my final answer. <laughs> oh, Rosie! Rosie! Rosie from the Jetsons! I feel like an idiot. You should. Well, it was like 60s, 80s. I, th- I think there was an 80s reboot of Lost in Space. Oh, and was then there? there was also a movie. Oh, so. yeah. Nope, sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay, next... This robot was built in 2996 at Fabrica Robotica de la Madre, in Spanish, Mom's Robot Factory, a manufacturing facility of Mom's Friendly Robot Company in Tijuana, Mexico. This robot mm-hmm. is a pathological liar and sociopath, and this robot has made guest appearances on The Simpsons. Uh, I'm going to say Bender from Futurama. It was the Mom's moms, the moms that gave me away, because she, she makes slurms and whatnot. Oh. Sl- not slurm, slurm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Singular. Next. Okay. This robot has been portrayed in seven films by the same actor. Hmm. This robot is very shiny. Very this shiny. robot hosts a ride at Disney Hollywood Studios. Oh, 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 oh. I know this one. This, that, that one's just for you because I knew you weren't getting it. Uh, C-3PO. Ding, 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 ding. I, I've actually got I, I'm I'm two for one. Two uh, for three? No, well, I I, I miss I got, you got two, two out of three. I got two. I missed one. So yeah, whatever. I'm okay. keeping score like this with my hands. Oh, good. <laughs> Next, this robot works with the Detro- Detroit Police Department. This robot is Robocop. Te- Go ahead and say your other clues. This robot is technically a cyborg and Catholic. <laughs> The Catholic would have it. The Catholic would have done it, right? Definitely. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so three. Okay, this one's fun. I I know my robots. My robots. If you don't get this one, I'll be disappointed in you. Okay. Uh, These robots, it's a group of robots, were voted Mm -hmm. the greatest monster, beating out Godzilla and Gollum. Mm -hmm. These robots look like human-sized pepper shakers. This group of robots are technically cyborgs. Um, I'm going to say exterminate. Exterminate. Dalek. Dalek. Exterminate. Dalek Khan. 
<laughs> uh, check our, our uh, Doctor Who episode from last week. <laughs> you want more uh, Dalek more impersonations. More Dalek impersonations, <laughs> yeah. Okay, this one's fun. Okay. This robot is small and circular. This robot can help keep your... Wait, this robot can help your helps tidy. Yeah. Hey, wait, wait a second. Before you uh, go on, you'll, I, I want you to restart. Uh, but by Michael Lucero, Michael Lucero robot in the chat room says, <laughs> Oh, yes, how are we going to discuss robots without talking about Bill's most hated franchise, Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> done can't be done it, can't be done i, I know there's i resisted least, and left it down to one i know there's at least three more star wars references in the episode tonight hey i didn't sure. do it okay um this robot is small and circular this robot can help keep your house tidy mm-hmm. this robot has made an appearance on breaking bad and parks and rec i'm going to say uh brian cranston no uh the roomba the roomba mostly because it entertains me it had to be in there <laughs> i want a roomba okay this robot is known by an acronym. Okay. A replica of this robot is on display at Universal Studios, mm-hmm. and the armor is made with trihalation plasteel 1000 MBS, which is molecular bonded shell. What was the first clue again? This robot is known by an acronym. Um, I, 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 uh, I will be T1000. <laughs> you will be wrong. It is Kit. Oh, Kit. The robot car. <laughs> the robot Rad. car. Okay, so I've missed two. You've missed... No, you, yeah, you missed two. I missed two. I got five. I'm actually kind of surprised because you don't usually do well at my games. Well, they're robots. They are robots. I, I do love my, my robots. Okay. My robots. Ooh, this one's fun. Okay. This robot has battled Darth Vader, the Wicked Witch of the West, King Kong, Wily e. Coyote, and Boris and Natasha. Um, it is sometimes hard to tell if this is a robot or a stuffed animal. This robot is used almost exclusively for marketing. Yes! Um, yes! <laughs> g- give me the, not the one uh, of who they've... Uh, Sometimes bought. it is hard to tell if this is a robot or a stuffed animal. Hmm. Um, no, I have no idea. I am so excited. I thought this would be an easy one. The Energizer Bunny. Oh, Doug. He does all the commercials <laughs> with the stuff and the things and stuff. Yes! Yeah, but by the way, Monica just joined the chat room. Hi, Monica. Hello, Monica. <laughs> um, but that was it. We only had eight today. We only had eight. Eight instead of ten. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, so five right, three hmm. wrong. I think that's your best um, score yet, Mr. Meeks. Excellent. Excellent. So yeah. let everybody Yay, give Bill a round of applause. I, let's talk a, about a couple of these fictional yeah, robots real quick. Them. Okay, first of all, Energizer Bunny. Yeah. I remember seeing the first Energizer Bunny commercial where they're, like, trying to shoot an Energizer Bunny commercial on a soundstage. Uh-huh. And he kind of just, like, breaks off because his battery doesn't run uh, out when it's supposed to or Yeah, because it's supposed to keep going and going yeah. and going. Yeah. Did you watch uh, much Jetsons? Uh, Love you, the Jetsons. So you were pretty The child of the Rosie. 80s. Hello. Yes. Ro- Rosie was kind of kind of mean sometimes. Exactly. She kept mm-hmm. them in order. Mm-hmm. Also, Ms. fun. J. Fun, fun fact that I figured, I learned while I was looking all these up. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Jetson is like thirty, only thirty three. Mm-hmm. While Judy is like fifteen. She was a pretty young mom, just like eighteen. Well, in the future, there's a lot of teen moms. They, <laughs> that's what happened after that teen mom show on MTV. Is... No, it actually went down after that show. Oh, did it? Yes, okay. it went down significantly. Mm-hmm. Thank that's you fair. very much. I'll defend them all the time. Robocop. Robocop. Have you ever seen the original Robocop? I resist all mm-hmm. Robocopage. I used to watch the Robocop show, but I actually I, I watched the re the remake that mm-hmm. they did with uh, Michael Keaton and Gary Oldman, uh, Batman and Commissioner Gordon, <laughs> a, a, a couple years back, and uh-huh. it was actually pretty good. I well, it, it kind of fell off at the the end. It mm-hmm. kind of became like this big action movie kind of thing. As far as Daleks, any any uh, any opinions on Daleks? What's your favorite Dalek episode? Uh. 
there's so many there are there really are so many um i know it's one of well to me one of the earlier ones i know it was a tenant one but i can't mm-hmm. think of exactly like what it was called or the premise i just remember yeah. go like i think it was one of the first episodes i watched that you got me to watch you're like no uh-huh. no 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 you have to watch this <laughs> and i was like all right fine and um i don't remember exactly Though I will say I did really enjoy when Clara was inside a Dalek. Oh yes, yes. I I I I liked uh, Journey's End a lot, where uh, you know the Daleks collect all those uh, planets to make the big reality yes. machine thing, and then Doctor Donna happens and oh, all that stuff. Oh, okay. Doctor Donna. Okay, were there? Sorry, in, wrong show. Uh, Bender. 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 Do you do you like Futurama? I'm not a huge fan. I've watched entirely too much of it for not being a huge fan. Mm-hmm. But that's because. My my brother was a huge fan. He was, mm. you know, Simpsons sort of crosses right into fr- yeah. Futurama. And so, I mean, I've seen Bender. See, I actually have a Bender t-shirt I was uh, looking for for tonight, yeah. but it, it might have got sold in the move too. No. Uh, Did you really sell that? No, I actually, you know what? It was a gift, so I wouldn't have. Uh, but Bobby yeah. in the chat room says, holy crap, uh, Mr. J, Harley <laughs> Quinn sounds like Rosie the Robot. <laughs> Very much agreed, Bobby. Uh, Very much agreed. Okay, I- but... Uh, yeah, uh, but gotta love some fictional robots. There was good. Right? Okay, wait. No, okay, so if you can play that guy, that game, Mr. C-3PO, you got any opinions on that guy? C-3PO? Yeah, um, what you got? I, I like a snark. He's like very snark. snarky. Like, He's that's the fun part. Sh- he is very shiny. He too, is very shiny. Yes. That's yeah, all you got, huh? Yeah, pretty much. That's like, pretty much it. I, I, I do I do know that I like I've seen every Star Wars movie one time except for the last prequel. Mm-hmm. And he him and R2 D2 felt very shoved into the prequels. Wait, because you know, they're basically like uh in, in the first Star Wars movie, the original Star Wars A New Hope, uh they're basically just at this uh like this uh like pawn shop for robots kind of thing that uh, <laughs> Luke Luke and his uncle Owen go to to pick up some droids and they have happened to have some stuff for uh like a message from princess leia mm-hmm. to give to obi-wan kenobi there's so, always a message from princess leia yeah so it's basically like set up yeah they, they were just like uh the the servant robots or whatever mm-hmm. and then when you go into the prequels you find out that uh like anakin skywalker darth vader built both of them and it just felt very kind of like okay Shipping. well we have to get the kids characters from the first movie in and mm-hmm. although the droids cartoon it was actually pretty good i have seen a few cartoon. episodes of that yeah they had their own cartoon I, it's kind of been like thrown down the memory hole along with the, the Ewoks cartoon and the, the holiday special. No. Uh, but no. yeah, yeah, I mean, they, I, I like the droids cartoon anyway. Nice. So the Roomba. The Roomba. When are we getting a Roomba? I'd like a Roomba. I would love a Roomba. Actually, it's funny you bring Can I get a Roomba to follow around kid number one? Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. With the peanut shells? Yes. <laughs> Bye times of peanut shells. <laughs> But speaking of Roomba, uh, Roomba comes up uh, in our next segment here really? in the phone box. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I sat down yesterday with David Calkins of uh, Robot Ga- uh, Robo Games, uh, which is basically like the Robot Olympics, uh, kind of battle bots and all sorts of other mm-hmm. competitions, uh, to talk about uh, his work, uh, define what a robot is, and learn how he's changing the world for the better by making robots duke it out. Uh, really great conversation. Like I said, it went about an hour. I cut it down to the best about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can get uh, probably in about 15 minutes here at youtube.universebox.com. You can get the whole conversation. Highly recommend it. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and uh, play that now. And we'll be in chat to talk to you guys while it's playing. Totally. And then we'll be back for a lot more stuff, a lot more fun. More stuff! So uh, take, it, take it away past, well, just Bill. 
this time. I wasn't there. Universe Boxio! Thanks to you, Tramory and Bill. I, I'm here today uh, with, a, with a guest I, I, I met through Twitter, um, uh, David Calkins, who uh, works with uh, RoboGames.net and is also uh, at Mr. Underscore Robotics on Twitter. How are you doing today, David? I'm great. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Hey, glad, glad we were able to uh, connect on Twitter. Yeah, I, I think uh, it was a Jill Pantosi uh, retweeted my uh, request, and then there were just like a ton of people who responded, you being uh, among them. So I uh, thank you very much for that. Why don't you go ahead and uh, tell our listeners just a little bit about, uh, you know, what you do. Someday I'll figure out what I do with the robots, and I'll be able to give a concise answer to that question. Um, in the meantime, uh, so in about uh, in the late 90s, um, I was a e-commerce web programmer, mm-hmm. uh, or I think e- e-commerce had even been coined. Um, and I got tired of programming um, everything for computer monitors and screens. I wanted to see something move. And so I went to a local robotics club, um, which was really filled with like 50-year-old, 60-year-old guys that hadn't changed in 20 years. And there was very little new blood in there. Um, and I just wanted to learn how to make stuff move. I hadn't really made anything move programmatically uh, since uh, I was in middle school. And so I built a sumo robot. And sumo robots um, are a very good place to start uh, for those who are interested in electronics and movement and sensors because they have two sensors and two motors. And it's a, it's a fairly simple program. Um, but then you get into lots of little uh, subtleties of, of how to win. And basically, a sumo robot is uh, a competition robot Instead of two big fat guys pushing, pushing each other out of a uh, circle, you have two tiny little uh, robots about the size of a Rubik's Cube pushing each other out of a smaller circle. Um, and they have two sensors generally. One looks down at the bottom of the circle, and the, the main portion of the circle is black with a white outer ring so that the robot knows that it's not driving itself out of the circle. And then the other sensor is a forward-looking sensor to find the other sumo robot and then push it out of the ring. Um, and so it's more a game of who loses rather than who wins because a lot of robots end up driving themselves out of the arena. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, and, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say I'm I'm, I'm showing because uh, we have a video stream here too. I, I'm showing some some pictures of these. Some of these are pretty cool. <laughs> there, you know, there's a lot of people who put a lot of time and effort into it because it, it's a great event um, that relies on uh, three very different skills. One is the mechanical engineering aspect of, of building a very reliable sumo robot uh, that is sturdy, that's not going to fall apart, um, and that is torquey enough that it can make sure that it pushes the other robot in a head-to-head contest rather than being pushed itself. Um, It relies on really good programming so that uh, you know when you're getting good feedback from the sensors and when you're getting bad feedback from the sensors and how to ignore that. And finally, it relies on strategy of, you know, when it comes down to it, it's two objects hunting each other out uh, in order to just push each other as far as they can push. And so there is a lot of strategy in terms of when you write that program, how that robot moves around. So sort of like chess 
in terms of there's a million different ways you can you can go. Do, do you normally uh, know like uh, the exact kind of uh, robot you might be going up against in this sort of situation, or is it just kind of you have to kind of prepare for several different eventualities? I have to prepare for several different eventualities, and and the better programmers will have pre-programmed. Um, I mean, there's so much room on uh, microcontrollers these days that they will have pre-programmed for those different eventualities. And the rules, um, you know, start state that you can you can point your robot in any direction um, when you start. So in fact, your robot could be pointed away from the other robot when you're starting um, as a strategic defense. So it runs away quick, finds the white line, um, and then sort of circles the white line to try and get around behind the other robot. But all of this is done autonomously. It's not done remote control. So anyway, so so that's a very long story of my introduction into robotics. Um, then I started working with Lego Mindstorms because at about that time, the Mindstorm sets first started coming out. And here is a really great way to, to make stuff move and program, but without having to bend metal or cut metal or drill holes or anything like that. You know, it's Lego. It, 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 it's easy to put together and take apart. Um, and the programming interface was also very easy. So if you didn't know any programming, they made it very easy for you to program your robot. Uh, then, of course, BattleBots came along, um, and there were many other competitions around the world. Uh, there was robot soccer competitions, uh, firefighting competitions, um, which is eventually going to be a fairly big uh, commercial enterprise that today a lot of people have uh, robotic vacuum cleaners in their home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the the uh, Roomba. Roomba, yeah. One of one of many. There's there's several companies now. Um, and eventually the goal of the firefighting robot is that kind of like a Roomba, um, it's always on and it tries to be invisible because you can program your Roomba so that you never see it working. So that basically it, it's always vacuuming either at three in the morning when you're sound asleep or at noon Monday through Friday when you're away from the house so that you don't have to, to hear it or listen to it or watch it. Or you can program it so that it always vacuums at 6 p.m. so that you get the joy of watching your Roomba, you know, move around the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the goal of the firefighting robot is very similar, um, is that they're just going to always be plugged in, but should there be a fire in the house, the robot immediately senses the fire, runs out, um, and puts out the fire before the house becomes engulfed in flame because it's those first couple of minutes that are so critical um, in, in saving a house. And so you can, you know, with a combination of smoke detectors and, and fire sensors, uh, make such a robot um, so that if your house ever catches on fire, the damage is minimized. Um, so sort of uh, a smoke detector with steroids. Um, <laughs> the problem, however, is, is that you want that firefighting robot um, put out the curtains if they happen to catch on fire from the nearby fireplace, but you don't want the fire, firefighting robot to be screening out and putting out um, the candelabra uh, during your anniversary dinner. David, I, I, let's bring it back to you a little bit. Wait, what's your favorite robot you've ever built? You know, uh, that's exactly like asking a parent who's your, which is your favorite child. <laughs> um, if you have, especially if you have about a hundred kids, which I do. So. Um, I love them all equally, but in different regards. Um, I have bartending robot um, that can mix you drinks. Um, I have a five and a half foot tall humanoid robot that 
we rent out to corporate parties that will dance with people, uh, make your jokes and flirt with people, and pour you wine if your wine glass is empty. Um, combat robots, which most people know from the TV shows, so I have several 220 pounds of combat robots as well as several three pound combat robots. Um, sumo robots, soccer robot, uh, 14 inch tall Android robots that do soccer and do kung fu. Um, and they're also different. It, it's like having, you know, it, it's like if I were the Duggars and I had 14 children. Each one has their own personality and their own likes and their own dislikes. And you love them all equally. Um, and they piss you off all <laughs> at some point in time. Uh, but I really don't have a favorite that I've made. Which is interesting because I do I do have favorites that, that other people have made. Um, you know, like there's there's Mechadon, which Mark Satrakian made, which is just this gorgeous um, uh, hexapod, which weighs 480 pounds, and is actually uh, the ring bearer at my wedding, um, nice. as well as, as a star of the original BattleBots show on Comedy Central. Um, there's uh, Mark Pauline of, of Survival Research Labs has made several really magnificent large-scale robots. Um, there's a lot of walking androids that people are making. Um, it used to be a thing uh, where everybody thought that, that walking robots was an impossibility. Um, and suddenly, uh, Sony really made the first feasible walking robot in Asimo that people could look at and say, you know, this, this is uh, a thing that can happen. Um, and I call that the, the Roger Bannister uh, problem, is that a lot of people will look at a problem and say, it can't be done, it can't be done, it can't be done, it can't be done. And they'll try to do the problem, and, and they'll fail, uh, and eventually they'll give up. Um, and then somebody else will come along, tackle the same problem, and solve it. Ten years ago, uh, walking androids were considered an impossibility. Now you get 16-year-old kids with $500 worth of servos making pretty decent walking androids um, at home. You know, and you can uh, either mill out the parts or 3D print the parts to hold the servos together, um, slap on an Arduino board or something, and make a pretty decent uh, humanoid robot that can, you know, not only walk but run, do cartwheels. Um, stand on their heads things like that where where do you see like uh you know uh, now it's like you were talking about walking robots and everything that 10 or 20 years ago seemed impossible what impossible thing right now do you see happening in the next 10 or 20 years with robots and robotics programming the library of vision there are things that you and i as humans take for granted about how we respond to so if I'm walking across the field and there's a soccer ball there, uh, I know that um, it's a reasonably massive object and that I should step over it or go around it. However, let's say that there's a white plastic shopping bag, um, which is blowing in the wind, which looks roughly like a soccer ball, but has no mass. And I would know that I can walk right through that plastic bag without any problem. And that's a problem, you know, if, you, if you're having cars driving, you have to have to recognize the difference between a soccer ball rolling across the street and a car should stop versus a empty plastic shopping bag blowing in the wind across the street in which you don't 
stop. Um, a worse thing would be is if there's a semi right behind you that would slam into you and utterly devastate your car. So, you know, you have this, this decision tree of, of things that you have to decide and you have to program that decision tree. One of the things that um, I love to, to argue uh, with other roboticists is first and foremost, what is a robot? You know, how are we going to define a robot? Uh, vacuum cleaning robots are considered robots. Um, and all they do is they move around um, and they're vacuum cleaners. Uh, why is a vacuum cleaner considered a robot, but your dishwasher not considered a robot? Um, okay, the dishwasher doesn't have wheels, um, but the robots that build cars don't have wheels either. They're permanently mounted to the ground just as much as that um, dishwashing robot. So, you know, it, it's a hard thing to define what, when is a thing a robot and when is a thing not a robot. And simply saying moving is, is not good enough to say, you know, what a robot is and what a robot isn't. Um, another thing that we have to think about um, is, is moral programming. So people love to talk about um, Asimov's three laws of robotics and the first law that uh, robots shall never, through action or inaction, allow harm to be caused to a human being. Well, the problem with that is that in everything we do in life, somebody is going to get hurt in some way or manner. And for those few people who have actually read the collection of short stories which uh, made up the book of iRobot, it actually deals with that conundrum in each and every story of the robot has to break the first law in some regard. Um, and in one story, the robot actually has a nervous breakdown because... Uh, the primary character is in love with someone, and so she asks the robot, does he love me? And the robot knows that it will hurt her feelings if the robot says, no, he doesn't love you. So the robot lies and says, yes, he loves you, which builds up her desire to, to become romantic with, with, with the guy. And it goes back and forth and back and forth, and the robot has to continue to lie because at some point her feelings are going to get hurt. Finally, she finds out that he doesn't, that the other doctor doesn't in fact love her, um, and is getting married to some other woman, and so she's devastated, and the robot has a nervous breakdown because, of course, now she's hurt. And we have to look at that in all considerations. You know, if for surgical robots, for example, if uh, a robot is programmed to remove my appendix, well, cutting me open in order to get my appendix out is going to hurt me. It's just the nature of the deal. You know, you have to cut me open and, and you know, snip things out and that is going to cause harm. The same thing, you know, if I bro break my ankle and, the, and there's a robot that's going to put my ankle back together, um, it's going to have to, you know, cause a lot of harm in the process of that healing. Take it out of the surgical realm and you look at, you know, robot cop. If I'm pointing a gun at a woman's head, at what point does the robot make the decision to shoot me or not in order to save the woman, you know? And so there's basically half a reality we have to come up with this moral database of a decision tree of when does a robot do an action um, and how does it decide which is the lesser of two evils, which is the lesser of two harms. So humans are the ones who have to make that decision. And the problem is, is that humans don't always agree about what those decisions are. You know, if I'm holding a gun to your head as a hostage, is shooting me in the head the only way out of that situation or is talking to me a, a way, a viable way out of that situation? 
And as we know, sometimes, you know, those hostage takers can be talked out of the situation and, and sometimes they can't. And so how do we determine which guy to shoot? And which got an option. Do you think it's possible that we're going to be come up with, you know, like you said, those hard to find rules? Or do you think we're going to have to figure out how to make robots more individuals almost, you know, to, to where they have each type of robot has, has its own individual morality and things like that? I think that's going to. It'll be both because different people and different corporations will be producing different robots. You know, you're going to see different moral sets in the same way you see you see that just with operating systems. You know, each time we or a company, you know, makes a robot, someone is going to have to come up with that decision tree. And someone's also going to be have to be responsible for making sure that that decision tree always works. Because in the middle of a hostage, you don't want your computer to crash. This is not a good time for blue screen of death. Now, I, like I, I, I will say, I, I did notice in the news this week too that I, I, I think it was a few people, but uh, most notably Stephen Hawking came out and I uh, put out like a, a big warning about like you know if you guys should really uh, tread very carefully when uh, creating like like you said you know kind of like the police robot or they like the military application ai kind of kind of robot i what 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 do you think would you recommend uh they kind of focus on it to make sure that those you know systems don't turn back around on us and kill us or anything like that you know because i mean mean, they are going to be uh putting uh higher higher levels of artificial intelligence and stuff in these to, to where they can make those autonomous decisions, you know, like which hostage or which person to shoot in a situation, things like that. What, what, what do you think is the big challenge? The big challenge is, compl- is compliance. I mean, there's, there's laws about everything we do that get broken all the time, you know, and there's hand slap. Big, big corporation X, uh, you know, releases all of your privacy data um, and gets doesn't even get investigated by, you know, the the police. Mm. Um, Big company X, you know, spies on you, whatever. Um, You know, so it's the compliance of making sure that those robots are programmed to to do what whatever standards we set upon them and behave appropriately. One of the worst problems that we have with with robots is is our human solipsism that we want our robots to look like us. So everybody wants C three PO, nobody wants R two D two. R two D two is really easy to make because it's a wheeled robot that can move around anywhere on a flat surface. But when it comes to stairs, R two screwed. R two can't go up and down stairs. You know, if you if you watch the original Star Wars movies, you don't see R two going up and down stairs. Um, they just cut the camera angle so that he starts at the top of the stairs and then they wipe to R2 being at the bottom of the stairs. And it's just inferred that R2 went down the stairs, whereas you can see C-3PO going up and down the stairs. Daleks have a similar problem from Dr. Who. <laughs> yeah. You know, and walking around is a very difficult thing to do. Even, even for humans. I mean, you and I trip over stuff every day, you know, you, you, uh, sometimes you, you, as we say, we trip over our own two feet. You know, you're just walking along, and somehow your your one leg drags a little bit lower than it normally does, and your toes catch on the ground, um, and you stumble. Uh, you catch yourself. And, and continue walking, uh, but you have stumbled on your own two feet. You have to be smart enough to know that if you're going through a narrow gap between furniture, that you actually end up walking sideways. You don't walk straight. You 
you shift to your side um, and you're and you're sidestepping through this narrow gap because it's easier because the human body is more narrow um, front to rear than left to right. And so you sidestep. And so you have to teach the robot to do things like that. Yeah, I, I saw a, a, a video um, a, a couple days ago online of a robot who it was basically like supposed to be a robot who would come over and like turn this valve and everything. And it reaches out for the valve. And I guess it like had the cameras or like not didn't have pressure sensitivity in the hand or something. And it reaches out into the air in front of it, turns what it thinks is the valve, but it's right next to the valve. So it's not actually turning anything. And then the whole thing just completely falls over because it's, it's supposed to it's, you know, trying to apply pressure to like balance itself while it's turning this valve, but it doesn't have the valve in its hand. It just completely flops over. Yeah. So, so basically we have to like program robots to have, have kind of like the platonic ideal of everything more or less, which yeah, yeah. Easy problem, right? yeah, it's not at all, you know, and there are a lot of great researchers who are working on algorithms of learning robots where you put them into an environment with just this, base out of knowledge and they learn their environment from being in that environment. Okay, well, uh, um, David, I, I've already kept you about twice as long as, as I, I told you uh, right up front, but I, I, I wanted to go ahead and uh, touch base real quick on, on Robo Games real quick before we wrap up. A lot of great information uh, for our listeners and everything. <laughs> Definitely appreciate it, but why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Robo Games? Because there's all these incredible problems in building um, the, the pie-in-the-sky C-3PO Butler robot, Robo Games was designed as the Olympics of robots, and that's what it is. Um, just like the human Olympics, where you have you know, 50 or 60 different events, Robo Games has um, 55 different events focusing on all sorts of different problems. So there's the combat robots, like you see on TV, which everybody loves to see because it's just really cool. And so that's sort of the boxing equivalent of uh, the Olympics. But we also have the firefighting competition, um, in which you know the you build a robot to find a candle and blow out the candle um, in a miniature scale house. Um, you know, and you have to save the baby um, and there's a little baby in the, in the house and, and do all these other things. Um, there's similar robots. There's soccer playing robots. About 60% of the robots are autonomous. About 40% of the robots are remote controlled. Uh, there's uh, robot events specifically for kids. Uh, we have about 10 events that are designed for kids from 0 to 17 so that they're playing on a level field um, because, you know, it's, it's not really fair that a 14-year old is competing against a 40 year old oh, yeah. in some of the although one of it, having having done robo games for for 12 years now one of my all-time favorite stories um the second year we did robo games back in 2005 the firefighting competition attracted because it's a very difficult robot challenge um attracted mostly 40 year old professional robotics engineers all of whom were quite smug that they come away with a gold medal. And there was this this 13-year-old kid, Tony Pratkanis, um, who was competing against them. To intentionally use the pun, he just smoked all of them. Um, <laughs> and his time on, you know, blowing out the candle and clearing the house was way faster than any of these professional engineers. And he just went on year after year, racking up the gold medals against these, these professional engineers. And it just goes to show that you don't need to be 
you know, a four-year-old PhD in computer science or computer engineering or mechanical engineering to do good at RoboGames. Um, it is taken very seriously in other countries, um, not so seriously in the United States, unfortunately, but the winning, the medalists from Mexico and Indonesia in particular are given presidential receptions every single year. One of the U.S. contestants, uh, Sylvia, uh, who built a painting robot, uh, five of our competitions are actually art robot competitions because not everything should be useful, so we have uh, five art competitions. Um, and Sylvia took the gold medal because she made a robot that could paint just about anything. Um, you, you'd feed it a picture or you could, or it could be randomized and it would do watercolor painting. And she's now actually, um, turned that into a business, uh, and they sell those. And, uh, she actually got to go to the White House with her, her medal, um, and meet President Obama with that. Wow. Generally speaking, everybody, uh, all adults who come to RoboGames, their favorite event is the bartending robot competition <laughs> in which, uh, a robot has to make a drink for you. Um, and everybody is treated equally, just like the human Olympics. So you have gold, silver, bronze medals in each of the roughly 55 events. Um, and, you know, that's the thing. It's just like the Olympics. It's not about money. It's about being the best in the world you know yeah i've been looking uh, through the site here and yeah this is just fantastic because i mean like, like you said uh one it's a great competition come come out try and be the best in the world at the same time it gives you know young engineers uh kids uh even you know college kids and all all through adulthood you know something to shoot for and something to uh kind of focus on to push their art of robot building forward and which will push humanity forward in the long run which i think is great you know i, I I did this really, I started RoboGames more out of showmanship of I wanted to put on a, a really good show for the, for the audience. Um, and, you know, there was definitely altruism in it, but that wasn't my primary goal. But now, many years later, um, it has become my primary goal. And I've heard so many stories that just, some of which have made me sob hysterically of, uh, like one kid, Zach, came to our very first show in 2004. Um, he was about to drop out of school. He's a very smart kid, but he was just bored. He was just one of those kids who was too smart for school. Um, and so I was just bored him. Um, and he came to Robo Games and he saw, you know, the robots and he said, this, this is what I want to do. This is, this is really, this is it. This is in 2004. And, um, it, it turned his life around. Um, he, he started working harder in school um, because he wanted to. He wanted to go to college now and study engineering, and he did end up going to college and getting an engineering degree. Um, and I talked to him like about a year ago, and he told me this story, and it, it was kind of sad because I vaguely recognized him. And when you're dealing with a thousand contestants every year, as well as you know, about 150 employees and, and 5,000 audience members, it's really hard to tr keep track of everybody. Mm -hmm. and, and Zach just approached me and. He said, "You know, I just, I just really wanted to, to thank you for, for, for everything that you've done for me." And I said, "Hey, you know, no big deal." Um, not knowing the story, and then he told me this story, and he said that, you know, you've changed my life. And I now, I, I have this job um, in um, industrial robotics, and it's my dream job. And I also have a sideline where I do kid shows, sort of mini robo games where um, I take little robots and I do birthday parties for, you know, like middle schoolers. And I get really excited about robots. And it's actually, he's now actually 
quit his full-time job to do the, the kid party thing because it's become such a, a good business for him. Um, <laughs> I had to turn around when he tells me all of this because I was just crying because I'm like, I, it, it never occurred to me that I could inspire people to such a degree. I, I, I highly recommend, like I, I've been sitting here like going through the site a little bit while we've been talking about it. At robogames.net, you can, uh, there's there's video, there's, there's pictures, there's a listing of all the competition, past winners, a lot of really good stuff. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up with you, David. Where, where else can people follow you online and uh, check out your robot stuff? You can follow me online on Twitter, um, Mr. Underscore Robotics. Um, but for the most part nowadays, uh, I don't build robots so much as um, I help other people collaborate. Uh, and I ensure that RoboGames happens every year and that they can collaborate. Um, and unfortunately, one of my best friends, Len Fugget, uh, who was an American living in Japan, for the last 20 years uh, passed away and that was also his great passion was was not building robots himself but helping to ensure that, that other robot builders met each other and collaborated and and came away um, knowing more than they started and being more willing to to build better robots and so that's what them was all about and that's what Rebel Games is all about yeah and I, I definitely appreciate you uh, taking the time this week with the, the loss of Lem and everything to come chat with us uh, for sure I, 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 I yeah and it's a uh, the, the website for him is uh, robots-dreams.com correct and that was his, his blog of uh, just stuff going on in the robot world. And it, was, and it was pretty much the preeminent blog for robot news where if you cared about robots in any capacity, you'd go to Robot Streams. Um, I don't know who's going to take it over. Um, I hope somebody will. There's also two very good magazines, Servo Magazine and Robot Magazine, uh, both of which um, are great magazines if you want to follow uh, robotics in all of their capacities. Excellent, excellent. You know, we'll, we'll include uh, links to everything we've talked about here in the show notes uh, too. But uh, for now, I guess I'm going to go ahead. Uh, thank you again, David. And I'm going to go ahead and throw it uh, back to uh, future Anne-Marie and Bill. Take it away, guys. And we're back. <laughs> we're back. And the music suddenly <laughs> stopped in this awkward position. Yeah, I forgot that it wouldn't fade out the music. But no, uh, thank you so much <laughs> yes, uh, for that, for that awesome. wonderful talk on, on robotics and stuff. Yay. We did get a couple, uh, some good stuff from the chat room here mm -hmm. while we were uh, sitting here uh, letting the pre-roll roll. roll. Uh, I, first of all, Stephanie recommended a really good movie uh, about AI and stuff called Eagle Eye starring real-life cannibals Shia LaBeouf. Real-life cannibal? It's a, it's a video. Okay, uh, I was I'll like, show it to you later. Oh. I, um, but uh, basically, um, yeah, it's uh, these two strangers thrown together by a mysterious phone call. And then there's uh, some tracking and control and stuff. It's called Eagle Eye uh, from 2008. Yeah. Uh, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. And then Angel uh, sent us this link to these really kind of creepy, uh, uh, very realistic. I was resisting clicking that because it creeped me out. You should click it. You should oh, click it. They're pretty creepy. Uh, realistic robots from Japan that uh, basically they created these three female robots that are very lifelike. Like very kind of like a kind of almost uncanny valley life. Like like they even have like one of these little girl robots with like a chunk <laughs> out of her neck and stuff. Oh gosh! But I, these are going to be put on display in in Japan, I believe. I, I read through the article a minute ago. Uh, but basically, and uh, used as research to see how humans interact with robots, robots interact with humans, all that kind of stuff. And uh, then uh, finally, I think it was Bobby uh, Bobby Hawk who pointed put this in the chat room. Uh, uh, a hotel in Japan uh, where you can get served by a raptor. Uh, 
uh, which is kind of fun. Uh, yeah, and they, it's just weird. They have all sorts of like weird little robots and the weird uh, robot uh, kind of like a... This is so creepy. Like Sorry, I'm clicking de- the human-like robots. Oh, okay, but front desk clerks and stuff. Oh, yeah, and they, even on that, that human-like one they have where they've like taken apart the uh, the actual you know flesh part of it and stuff to where you can see underneath and all the servos and weirdness underneath. Really super creepy. Yep. Creepy. Perfectly uh, creepy for all those interested. Definitely. Okay, well, before we get on, on uh, to our next box here, uh, Amory, why don't you tell them a little bit about the Patreon? Hi, guys. You may or may not know that we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash universe box yes. to help fund our lovely, lovely podcast, mm-hmm. Universe Box, Greetings from Storybrooke and Legends of Gotham. Um, we have a bunch of different milestones and goals and rewards, and we just recently passed our third milestone, which includes patron-exclusive bi-weekly movie commentaries. Which we put out. Yes, which we put out our first one this week. Go check your Patreon. Yeah, um, I have just uh, for our patrons, for for your reference, if you go over to patreon.com slash universe box, then click on all post. Yeah. You'll see uh, universe box commentary number one, Goonies. Universe box you. Sorry, uh, don't mind we, me. Which, uh, yeah, Goonies, it was a good time. We enjoyed it. Was, it. it was interesting, that's for sure. <laughs> for sure. But all donations are um, through Patreon are charged uh, monthly. You can start at 10 cents. It's really not that much, guys. Ten cents. You, it's in your couch. It's in your pocket probably right now. Um, but you can go, you know, as high as you want. We have different rewards. Like we'll sing you a song. We'll write mm-hmm. you a letter. We'll do a special podcast just for you with you if, um, you know, you feel like throwing down the scratch. Um, yeah, and before and, the end of September, we'll also be uh, coming up with some physical goods to yes. give you as rewards. Too. We're working on trying to find some swag. We know everybody mm-hmm. likes and, – and also tell stuff. us what kind of stuff you'd like because <laughs> we're struggling. Like everybody does stickers and keychains and T-shirts. And Is there something else out there? Mm-hmm. Help us. You know what I've been thinking about? You know how I do I, these I posters know. for Universe Box yes, every week? get them printed up. Well, we, we're almost at episode 25. What if we did like a whole big poster – of all of the little or like a posters. calendar or something. A calendar. We could do like a 2016 calendar. That could be fun. Oh, guys, anybody, <laughs> anybody interested in that? Because I am. I want one. <laughs> um, let's see. And our next uh, Patreon goal is to get to unlock our lost podcast mm-hmm. called "We're So Lost." We're so lost. Where we rewatch the lost series. Well, not rewatch. We watch the lost mm-hmm. series that neither of us did and podcast about it. Um, so there's that. We just wanted to let you know. And if you can't commit to a monthly donation, totally understand. But yeah. you're welcome to make a one-time donation probably somewhere above my head there mm-hmm. is a support this podcast or support this channel button yeah. on youtube and you can you can do that through a google wallet i think it is something like that so yeah but it, yeah we definitely want to thank our 31 patrons yes who you guys are amazing we love you for a month and if, if you want to become one of the the few the proud the patrons go to patreon.com slash universe box oh and we will be having our next monthly um hangout hangout uh, on yeah, saturday this, this saturday we're gonna have bobby uh in my Michael Lucero, who in you guys studio in, or in studio in Houseio, and and we're going to be—it's basically a pre-record for our tabletop episode. We're going to be playing a lot of tabletop games and then cutting down the best yes. footage, like we did with the drunk episode. In case you're interested, so uh, it, it definitely uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, please uh, look for more information on that at the Patreon. And uh, let's see here. Okay, so I guess it's time uh, to go into the now. It's time to find out if we'll rediscover the wonder we felt from our favorite movies and TV shows mm-hmm. in the Wonder Box. The Wonder Box. So. Let's watch Robin Thicke's dad try to 
pass off a robot as a real boy in the made-for-Disney Di- Channel TV movie Not Quite Human, based on the book series by Seth McAvoy. McAvoy. All right, this ought to be interesting. Okay, you want to go ahead and give us the uh, rhyming... Uh, Riddling summary thing. Yeah, the, the rhyming uh, plot summary. Sure. Jonas Carson made an automation. His name is Chip, and he's an... In- no, automaton. See, I don't even know that word. <laughs> automaton. Yeah, exactly. Jonas Carson made an automaton. His name is Chip, and he's an android phenomenon. His sister, Becky might not like him much, but she'll change her mind when his heart is touched. If Vogel reprograms him, his chest will be booming. Proven Chip Carson is not quite human. Not quite human. That was uh, rough. So yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, it was bad. A lot of big words there. I don't do big words. Uh, but I, uh, This was a, a favorite of mine from my childhood. Uh, Anne-Marie hadn't seen it before. Uh, what did you think overall? <sighs> you know, without having the nostalgia behind mm-hmm. it, it's a little rough for me. Yeah. It's a little well, uh, you know, like we were discussing earlier, it, it was, you know, designed for like, you know, eight to 14 year olds. I, uh, right. I made for TV movie. Right. And, you know, so. back when it came out, I may have been an eight to 14 year old. Mm-hmm. So I may have enjoyed it. Yeah. I, a I know, little more. I, I know like me and my sisters and everybody um everyone i knew was like super pumped about this movie because it it was it it premiered during uh, the disney channel free preview Mm -hmm. where they do like because disney channel used to be a paid channel yes i remember that vividly and they would do a week of uh of just free disney channel for you to check out and they would Mm -hmm. usually premiere like a a movie like this or anne of avonlea or something (gasps) like that see that that's something i can get behind that speaks to the anne marie so so i just uh you know i don't remember ever ever hearing about this so it was a little mm-hmm. harder for me. That's understood. That's I personally uh, really uh, like. I enjoyed re- the rewatch way more than I thought I was going to. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like something I'd have to push through, and like I'd remember some stuff, and it would be kind of cool. But it actually, it actually touched on a lot of the stuff we discussed with David earlier, right? With as far as Asimov's three laws and everything about robotics. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the things that kind of struck me was uh, th- this movie is completely. It was it made in '87, I think, and it completely '80s out. First of all, the music in this show and we'll play a little bit of it here yeah so many 80s music montages it's ridiculous it was crazy and uh, also it was it was set in a high school like a lot of 80s movies and every 80s movie was set in high school yeah exactly and of course there's a dance during the movie that is a major uh, plot point a major sort of a uh, breaking point for the movie and uh, then there were uh, you know all of the characters all the teenage characters in the movie were 80s stereotypes like we all know like uh, the know-it-all computer geek uh, the jock the the evil womanizing coach the evil businessman also uh, one of the characters who was didn't really fall into a stereotype it was Cody from Step by Step. Who was he? He was he was the the guy who was trying who Becky wanted to date, who Chip's sister uh, wanted yeah. to date. That was Cody. He was the hunk. Yeah, he was the hunk. Cody from Step by Step. Yep by yep. Uh, I also I like to. Can, can the music go away? No, please, no, please. it'll it'll be it'll fade out here in a second. Nice. But I I also I liked uh, Chip the robot. Uh, he he kind of falls into this group of friends. Aaron is uh, one of the girls' the names, girl. and a, a couple other people. Yeah, and, and I, I I really liked his group of friends. They were all kind of like a little dweeby, but for the most part normal. They weren't very stereotypy, right. which I thought was nice. And also uh, one of the a couple of the other big '80s tropes that were in this one: uh, slow motion to indicate running fast. 
mask like they used to do on like the Bionic Woman, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I never really never understood watched. how they why, how that stands for running fast. If you make him run slower, then he's uh, he, so he you could see what fast. he was doing because if he's running too fast, you can't see. I don't know. I don't know. He's running so fast you couldn't see him with the naked eye. I guess something like that. And also at the end of the movie, spoilers. At the end of the movie, they they freeze do like hug. hug, freeze frame, and then kind of eighties music yeah. under like. Oh, not again. Come on, that's great 80s music right there. I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, but a ton of 80s tropes in this thing. Uh, de- definitely, if, if, if you like 80s tropes in movies, uh, mm-hmm. watch it just for that. Totally. Okay, I should have read yours a little better. Um, what? Oh, yeah. You're, you're reading mine now, and you're like, <laughs> oh, that's everything I just said. No, it just, um, there were parts of it, it definitely felt like, your classic 80s teen movie um, with the high school. You have the local hangout. Of course, there's a dance. There's always a dance mm-hmm. with the ugliest dresses I've ever seen in my life. And someone always gets into a fight with the local bully yes. who is either wearing black leather mm-hmm. or a cutoff shirt. Didn't you think the local bully – because there's a scene where uh, the local bully is beating up on the know-it-all computer geek. Yeah. And uh, Chip steps in the way yeah. there and kind of punches him. Or in no, the bully, he punches The, the, the bully, bully punches, punches Chip, the robot, uh-huh. and – and like clang, you yeah. know, because he's made of metal. Right? Wouldn't you think the bully would have been a little more suspicious? Because uh, like, yeah. he just like, oh, never mind. Yeah. I can't and wouldn't hurt, you think the computer geek away. would have been a little bit more suspicious and Very not true. been like, sure, come on over? Very true. Oh, you don't know this guy. <laughs> Like, that that drove me nuts. Uh, Angel in the chat room points out the Disney original series and movies, the only locations are high schools and suburbs. Very uh, true. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Basically. Definitely. Okay, uh, so yeah, the the main villain, the main antagonist in the movie is a, a toy manufacturer named uh, Mr. Vogel. And uh, first of all, <laughs> I, I I really enjoyed uh, Joseph Bologna, I, or Bologna, <laughs> as, Bologna. Mr., as Mr. Vogel. He, you've seen him in other stuff. He's been in a lot of Adam Sandler's movies and stuff like oh. that but he, he he basically played this uh toy maker who focuses on military themed toys yes and i loved him because he was just like he was almost like a vaudevillian 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 villain yes ha you got it score i uh, know but very a mustache twirly but in all the best ways uh, speaking of mustaches uh, probably my favorite line in the entire movie is well he he Ends up, uh, he ends up following Chip the robot around in a, a brown windowless van, uh, which is really creepy. Mm-hmm. And he wears a fake mustache. So and it, awful. at one point, he gets it, he runs into like a, a cop car. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, yeah. And the cop comes over to, and, and approaches him. And he, I, I, they don't, uh, Give give you what the cop says, but you just hear a Vogel saying as Chip walks away from him, "Yeah, it's a fake mustache. Is that illegal?" I just, I, yeah, I don't know. it's kind of ridiculous. I loved it. I like because yeah, I guess a fake mustache isn't illegal. No, not at all. Technically, technically. Uh, but it depends it, it, what you're doing with it. Like I said, uh, they made him a. Uh, a toy manufacturer who who made militarized toys like a uh, Alan Thicke's character. He's supposed to be working on a uh, a, a a bunny that has like military yes. features, like a, a carrot for a gun or gun carrot. No, but they didn't want the bunny. Yeah, yeah but uh, that that was what he was supposed to be making. And yeah. uh, so I feel like this got dialed back from like it seems like you know the advanced technology that uh, Alan Thicke's character Doctor Carson puts into uh-huh. Chip the robot. 
uh, would have been something that he would have discovered while working on it for an actual military contractor. Yes. So it feels like they almost Disney-fied the antagonist yeah, and dial did. it back to a militarized toy, toy manufacturer instead of like a military contractor. I, I yeah, also, but then he talks about like selling it to the military and making you know hundreds of these guys. Yeah, and- it, it felt almost like a last-minute rewrite. Like Disney Channel got a hold of it and they were like, okay, toys, you, got, toys. you can't make it a military contractor. No. But uh, an interesting point, point is brought up because the big point of content, contention is that uh, Dr. Carson has been working on this android named Chip and so he hasn't been putting as much time and energy into uh, building the toys and stuff for Vogel. Uh, so it, it kind of makes me uh, think that and, and then Vogel go, wants to get Chip and he, he's like, no, I'm going to get Chip because I just need him because I want to sell him to the military and all right. that. And I, I, th- I wonder, would, wouldn't Dr. Carson, since he, he made Chip while working for Vogel's company, need, need to automatically give over the IP to no. Vogel? Why do no. you say that? Because he was a contractor. He fulfilled his contract. That's why he mm-hmm. delivered the bunny. Yeah. The bunny was the contract. The, it was independently at mm-hmm. his house on his time. Mm-hmm. That he made chip, but see, he was also working on the bunny on it at his house. But the reason it made me think this is that a lot of contracts even have a clause in it that anything you invent uh, while employed for a company, uh, while working for the company, belongs to the company. Like I know a contractor for I won't say who I work for, <clears throat> but uh, uh, someone who I work with who's also a contractor has this clause in his contract, and it also a uh, kind of bit Steve Wozniak and the the took this. Uh, wait, when he was working with uh, Apple in in the early days, designing mm. the Apple II and stuff. So I kind of feel like uh, obviously you wouldn't have much of a movie there if right. uh, you know Vogel could have just sued him to get uh, Doctor Carson to get Chip. Yeah, but no, because he didn't. Vogel didn't even seem to know about the Chip character, like the Chip robot, Not- until he went to go get. The yeah, bunny. Yeah, not until the henchman kind of filled him in because he was friends with right. Dr. Carson. Right, but not really. They worked together. That's about it. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't I don't think, um, you know, this was probably before those types of contracts were written. Mm-hmm. He didn't seem to um, have any sort of a legit reason or way to get him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just like, no, we're going to go. We're going to steal the robot. Yeah, we're we're gonna steal that. Yeah, but then again, uh, like we said, you know, it's a, it, it was a made for TV movie, made for kids and everything. So maybe maybe not realism <laughs> all the time. There's a lot of not realism here. Yeah, but I you go ahead. Okay, so going with not realism. Okay. Not only do I think it's a little weird that this dude, well, the robot dude just went over to this guy's house that he just saved from the bully. But how did he reach full power in half an hour using a regular plug in the bathroom? Because as hard as I try, it's really hard for me to think that he goes from almost dead to a full battery in half an hour because my iPhone still can't do that. You know, you know what kind of struck me uh, in that that would be a really odd request in the eighties. Like, can I use your outlet? But now it would be like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you wouldn't go to the bathroom. Yeah, very true. Very true. Um, I, I don't even think he thought outlet outlet when he mm-hmm. asked him to come over um but like even my old no- woo, old nokia that everybody and their brother had um you had to plug in overnight to get it to charge yeah like yeah. like well it was probably just enough of a boost to get him no no he to- said he was at a full charge oh did he yeah okay. he said he had a full charge and i'm like that that looks like the lamp 
<laughs> plug. It's not even like hardcore power. They must have some pr- pretty wicked capacitors that, in there or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, so that was really a struggle for me. God. Muster in the chat room says Ish. that uh, referencing uh, the uh, the whole contract issue that that's what happened uh, with the Mattel lawsuit against Bratz. Uh, the oh. inventor of Bratz worked for Mattel. I uh, was sued, and th- now that's why we have uh, Goth Barbie, etc., as part of the se- settlement. Oh, so. first of all, Bratz needs to fall off the face of the earth. <laughs> Second of all, Goth Barbie, I can kind of see that she probably is a lot more pink. They're Bratz. Oh, they're awful. Oh, and Angel attributes the quick charge to movie magic. I'll well, buy of that. course. But they say that it was a half an hour. Your phone charges in an hour, Bobby? Well, there, were, there was a lot of dar- dodgy stuff uh, about the technology, which I didn't Ooh. even get into here because it's re- really not worth getting into. I couldn't help it. I was <laughs> jealous. I want my phone to charge in half an hour. <laughs> I want my robot to charge in half an hour. I want anything to charge okay. in half an hour. Uh, my next point is I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Alan Thicke, uh, Dr. Carson's motivations. Uh, now, it becomes apparent throughout the movie that uh, building a chip-like robot was a dream that him and his dead wife uh, shared because he's a widower right. in the movie. Uh, so he was kind of – No, he's a widow. Widower. No, a widow. Is he a wi- A widower is the person who died. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> but uh, ba- basically, uh, he, he, he was making this robot for her or as part of their unified dream is the impression I got anyway. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really change the fact that he was ignoring his daughter, Becky, to get it done or that he made reckless decisions like uprooting their life, moving them to a whole new town, hiding out, all this stuff without getting her input. Because, I mean, she's like 16 or 17 years old here. here. I, I, she I, had to be 16 because the robot is 17. Yeah. And the robot was older. Yeah. So, so I, I, he should have at least got a little bit of her input. And uh, it definitely felt like uh, he had been neglecting her after her mom died to build yeah. the robot. And so. moving her around. Like, this is the. Th- okay. But part that confused me this is the third time we've moved since mom died, but she'd been at that school for four years. Mm-hmm. Like, why were you moving if you're staying in the school? I, I didn't understand. Yeah. I no no comprende. <laughs> no, I do not compute. I also at the end of the move Muser says widower. He's a widower. No. He's a widower. He's a widow. Yeah, a husband whose wife dies is called a widower. Ha <gasps> ha. Told ya. Widow is a woman whose husband died a widower. I fail. It's okay. It's okay. But you don't fail as bad as Dr. Carson did though because they, there's like a <laughs> That a, was awful. <laughs> they, there, there's a whole set, set up uh, earlier in the movie where he's like, "Okay, well I've set chip if he try if someone tries to reprogram him to turn him into a soldier or something uh then uh you need an access code put in or he'll blow up and uh it it eventually towards the end of the movie uh they get to this point where you know someone's trying to reprogram chip and they need the access code and eventually dr carson gives it to him and the access code was carson which is like you're this genius guy who built this android and you made the password your last name that seems very very ungeniusy i do not believe it was true I think that it was a fake access code. A fake or not a code. not necessarily a fake. It was an access mm-hmm. code to something. I think that there was more than one access code uh-huh. uh, because what they say is that if somebody tries to reprogram Chip, he will self destruct. I don't think with how much energy and love is put into this robot thing that that is ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there may have been like different access codes that told the system to do different things. Like Carson basically mm-hmm. said, "Pretend you're shutting down, and then when it's safe, come save the humans," because saving the 
the humans is like what is saying. I cannot leave a human in trouble. So I think that it was a fake access code. Yeah, I, I can totally buy that. And I mean, there are real world applications like this too. Like uh, if you have like an encrypted hard drive, mm-hmm. uh, specifically with uh, the program TrueCrypt I'm thinking of, you can set it up to where you, you put in one password and it opens up like one version of Windows right. that doesn't have all your personal stuff in it. Nice. So that way if someone like gets your laptop and they're like, okay, we need we need your encrypted encryption password or you're mm-hmm. going to jail or something, you can give them this fake password. It'll open up a fake oh. Windows and keep all your actual secret stuff. Secret. Secret. Yeah. yeah. Some, similar to that. Yeah. But uh, let's see here. Uh, Chip is a robot. I got a couple things about oh, that. Chip is a robot. I, I, um, that's str- like we were talking about earlier about his battery running out. Yes. Uh, it was basically a struggle where he hears the the computer geek getting uh, about to get beat up, yeah. And but he also knows he has to get home and charge Plug before yes. his battery runs out. And it's the exact sort of dilemma that David from Robo Games was talking about earlier, where like you know what kind of what choice do I make because I have two con- contradictory mm-hmm. instructions. I uh, you know uh, in there there's another example where he's struggling with. Uh, Learning how to tell the he because he's been programmed to tell the truth all the time, mm-hmm. but he's telling too much of the truth and kind yeah. of putting his situation because they're trying to hide from everyone at the school that he's a everyone. robot. No, they're talking about everyone. Yeah, so he he Chip needs to learn uh, uh, subtlety to graduate to emotions and sort of real boy status, which is something he's chasing throughout the right. entire movie. Am I a real boy yet? Mm. No, Pinocchio, you're not. But <laughs> I, I I did enjoy that they they it made him smile a little more throughout the mo- throughout the movie until he finally has that emotional moment where, where his feelings are hurt by his sister and to kind of indicate that he's slowly becoming more right. emotional and, and uh but it was very frustrating um because you know we talk about the self-destruct mechanism and uh chip was told uh about the self-destruct mechanism earlier in the movie and then uh. when the bad guys catch him he tells them about it so they know that they need the code uh, and all this kind of stuff yeah like i i kind of feel like uh, almost because there's an accident where he gets some liquid spilled on him and yeah. he has some circuits fry or whatever <laughs> the, I, I was afraid that it might have wiped out some of his emotional memories that he had gained and kind of that nuance he had learned about mm-hmm. how to tell the truth without telling the whole truth you know well, but, the truth. Uh, but uh, there was also a pretty good uh, twist at the end where Chip uses his hyper literal logic uh, you know where you're like uh, <laughs> I don't, like for example the teacher at the beginning is like I don't want to hear another word from oh, you so that scene speak. was hilarious though oh, yeah. I'm not gonna lie like i was like that that kid is the most popular kid now because of that but he's like hyper literal and he kind of uses that that hyper literal logic to trick vogel in the end to get him to climb into this crate right which which was kind of fun subverted my expectations because i thought he was just being literal chip you know but but no it was a trick it was a trick okay uh you had a couple concerns about uh the sister (sighs) becky who by the way played uh uh in uh, the selena kyle episode of gotham was one of the people uh collecting kids to send she was she was the old lady yeah or she, the old lady, uh, the, the lady with the glasses. Yes. Yeah. That, that was the same actress. I can't remember Ooh. her name. I'll look it up. Here. Yes. Please look that up. I need a side by side. Okay. So Becky confused me. So from the second that they walk into this new school, it's already like she's been there before. Like I know she said she's gone to another school, but you know, she already walked in. She knew where she had to go. She knew what she needed to do. Um, Like I get and like, what? Ding, ding, ding. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I get that she was like all about trying to get with the hot guy and whatever but she already seemed to know her way around everything Mm -hmm. 
It didn't seem, nothing seemed new to her. Oh. She was already adjusted. It felt like she already had friends. The, the Hawkeye already knew who she was. <laughs> like, there was, there was no imagination happening. Or like, mm-hmm. anybody who's ever way, been the new student. I was wrong on the Gotham thing, by the ha! way. It was played by Robin Lively. They, it was another redheaded actress from the 80s uh, that I was thinking of. But, uh, See, that's how he sold it to me, too. He's like, no, no, <laughs> one of the women who was in there isn't. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Um, so I win. No, um, it just seemed weird. And then she was like always agitated with her brother making a bad impression on people since they were new and messing things up. But it didn't matter because it was like she'd gone there her whole life. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. It, and uh, she, she also went back and forth between like being like very like rude and very kind of well you all say bitchy yes uh to being just gun ho let's do it dad whatever you want dad yeah, yeah. it was really weird and uh, angel t uh credits disney plot convenience true, very true story also she wasn't very good at crying at the end there she wasn't uh, like no everything's bad so sad. and that's not even an exaggeration that's about what it but uh, okay, so it's time to. Does it pass the wonder test? Does it hold up to the wonder that we felt when we watched it? Or at least I. <laughs> I oh, I didn't even. I thought really. I filled this in. Oh, no, that's fine. But uh, Anne Marie, why don't you go first? It, Please don't make it... me ever watch these types of things again. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. If it's not, if it's from the 80s and I haven't seen it before, I don't want to see it now. And yeah. even if I have seen it before, I probably don't want to mm-hmm. see it now. Things like that, just for some reason, they don't. It's not sticking. The nostalgia is not even like helping. Mm-hmm. You know, I just. Yeah, I just I, know I, not so much I, th- I think we did decided today too to refocus the wonder box because sometimes it started to veer to being only one of us has seen it or, or neither of us have yeah, seen it uh, we're gonna for here from here on into the future we're gonna make sure we've both seen it before right uh, so, so that there's actually you know reliving the wonder wonder and everything <laughs> like that but it, yeah and another wonder box next week and Ooh. as for me uh yes I, I loved it. I, I was honestly expecting to hate it. Uh, you know, I think it was cheesy, but have a couple of nostalgic moments. But it was pretty funny in parts while bringing up a lot of good philosophical points about robots and the challenges we as a modern society still have to overcome to have chip like robots. Right. I, and I'm definitely going to watch the other two movies for sure. And I did actually, I hopped on Amazon today and ordered the first book in the series because I haven't read it since I was a teenager. So I, I wanted to read it again. So, but uh, yeah, lots of good stuff. Okay. Uh, Amory, if you want to go ahead and uh, start your, your move. Oh, okay. Okay, uh, next up, uh, we're going to go ahead and Wait, hop I, into the idiot. Do I keep this on? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you'll probably have to bring that over with you. Yeah, but we're going to go ahead and hop into the idiot box here. Uh, if you don't know, in the idiot box, we sit back and make fun of films and TV shows from the past. Uh, this week, we'll learn how robots can help the modern housewife in Leave It to Rolo. And Amory is going to join me here. Uh, she's going to get her mic up. Let's see here. Okay, there we go. Yeah, they, oh, yeah, and they're talking. <laughs> it's like a whole different sound now. Yeah, they're talking about AI in the movie. The AI <laughs> movie. The AI movie in the chat room. I love that movie with Haley Joel Osment. It's a pretty good movie. Oh, but Haley Joel Let's go Osmond. ahead and get it started here with a Leave It to Rollo. Okay, Leave It to Rollo. Leave It to Rollo. Uh, from the Prelinger archives, we'll have the link in the show notes at Universal.com. Leave It to Down a little there. Kind of nice. I can actually see the screen. Yeah, I did. I did uh, set up the monitor a little differently, which is why we have to do this new setup. Yep. There's okay. a guy working on transistors. He's the robot repair guy. <gasps> Rolo. 
Rollo. There's a scram button. There, miss. You see the Spoiler. Are feeding back into the stimulus reaction activators, causing non-snaps of the motor control resistor units. That wasn't English. Oh, that's, that's a lot of gibberish. Uh-huh. No, lady, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> generator circuits are tuned asynchronously, and that causes... Con- oh, Muster, what'd you think? Amplifier. Tell me, tell me, tell me. That's bad, isn't it? That's bad. No, that's good. From now on, I don't think there'll be the slightest trouble with your robot. No more trouble with your robot. 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 R-O-B-U-T. I would like... Why is get hat and get furnace like things? A get hat button is pretty weird. For sure. Get hat. Don't hesitate to give us a ring. Don't hesitate to give us a ring. A robot. Your friendly neighborhood repairman. Oh my. You might want to back up off that mic a little bit. But it's fun. That was a nice robot there though. I liked it. Yeah. Why does it look like the robot is flipping us off? Because he is. (laughs) He's like, "Mm, you get your own door. Answer your own door. That's like a very limited number of switches. It is. And obviously, Miss Pretty Slow. Is she getting flowers? I want flowers. <laughs> According to my time hop, I got flowers like two Rolo, years ago. Rolo, retrieve flowers. Rolo, please sign for flowers. Yeah. Is he going to kill the flower uh, delivery man? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, chase him, Rolo. Get him, Rolo. Go on, Rolo, chase Backing him. off of my <gasps> Yes, the lava. Oh, it was adorable, me. Is there, like, make coffee? There's no Rolo... There was uh, no cut button. Yeah, she didn't push she any didn't buttons push, for that. It just, like, did it. And Rolo can't put the vases or the flowers in the vase? How what gives Rolo? I don't understand. And what's up, what's up with that, like, temperature gauge on Rolo? Is that to see if he's... I don't up, know. There, there, uh, whoa. Rolo. Rolo. Oh, is he spraying them with oil? Or water? He's a vacuum. He's a vacuum. Nice. He's a Roomba. He's, he's a, a Roomba. Roomba. The Roomba before the Roomba. What's next? Make bed. Get oh, dinner. Get dinner. Is yes, it good? Ma'am. Get dinner yes, in bed. Mom. Order Chinese Rolo. Rolo. Yes. Order me Chinese Rolo. He moves very slowly, though. Much more slowly than uh, a 50s housewife has any right to. What is this? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh. Whoa. That was a lot of fun. Rolo the flamethrower. <laughs> Get door. No? She's just going to do it herself? I guess she doesn't need Rolo for that. Or he's busy getting... Di- oh, oh he's no. setting the table. W- was that a... Uh, dinner's ready, Yes, Bell? Rolo the robot. The chromium-plated... The robot. The robot. Is just a daydream after all. Aww. Aww. But not so Rolo's little How sad does her life have to be that she has to, like, she imagine a, a robot? robot? Yeah. ...that never ask for afternoons off. The amazing machines and gadgets that almost seem to think for themselves. That's a crazy coffee. The tiny part. clockwork brains and heat regulators on our kitchen stoves apparently do almost everything except read the cookbook. Thinking Rolo read like the cookbook and you got rid of them. You dissolved them out of there. ...turning into slabs of charcoal <laughs> and keep the coffee hot until we're ready to start dunking. Then there's a tea kettle that's been trained never to boil dry. A tea kettle. When the water is gone, the kettle simply Whoa. pulls out its own attachment plug. That was Wait, weird. Just... And I don't think I've ever seen something that do that before. I think it's dangerous. From every that was still... country. Yeah, especially like having that power plug in When the pup is dining home alone and the rest of the family <laughs> is dining out. What's more, it tells him when That's to awesome. come and get it. That, a Pavlovian response there, literally. Robots have learned to turn on the light. This little electric eye measures the amount of daylight coming in the window. When the light level outside drops below Ooh. the room, good visibility 
gravity, this robot throws a switch, and the first bank of lights goes on. Robots. No robot they have a robot like that right outside. Of being absent-minded or careless at its work. Here, a robot that never sleeps nor winks, nor looks out the window, stands guard a over manufacturing the manufacturing robot. giant press. As long that as robot, robot took our jobs. The press won't budge an inch, and that's mighty important Darn on a big robots. job like this. Mm-hmm. Did you ever hear of anyone getting his lap caught in an elevator door? No. no. <laughs> I definitely have never heard here. of that. Because as long as there's anything in the way, this door can't Ah, uh, the robot light. Step back, please. There's plenty of room in the rear of the car. All right, then. Don't step back. Just take a deep breath and hang on to yourself. Get out. <laughs> take a deep There's breath a and hang on There's a weight limit on this yourself. elevator. One little robot, for example, always remembers to serve drinks when it sees anyone walking around with a thirst. A beam of light is aimed across the fountain. It seems like a good way Why don't you go from the side, when kid? The birds would learn that. By a solid yeah. object, such as this head, the electric eye control <laughs> opens the fountain. Such as this head. Drink. This particular device is an automatic fire sprinkler. A sprinkler up there. Yes. Someday, maybe someone will invent a robot that can take a joke. Oh. Yes, Mister. Please Some bring Rainbow Kitty. Have even learn to fly. <laughs> Tiny automatic brains and giant. That's not a robot. That's just a plane. Well, these kind of robots are designed. Relieve the busy pilots of the job of keeping the wings level, the nose mm-hmm. on the horizon, and the plane headed in the right direction. So no, why are they, no, why are they paying the pilot if the robot does everything? Why do they still pay the pilot? In the I wish we had been saying robot robot the entire time. I like robot. And valves robot. and floats that serve a health menu of gasoline calories and fresh air vitamins to the engine. A menu that varies with every change in speed or load. I like that we just stare. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I miss Rolo, though. So in the Help! intake manifold, another oh, master here. line Oops. with a nervous Help. system sensitive There's still robots. uses hot exhaust gases to warm the mixture before it goes It's totally the safe. It's safe if you don't mind Rolo. Step right up close to the platform and see the Siamese robots. Siamese, Siamese robots? robots? I like how they have these little transparent <laughs> robots going along the machine. <laughs> One is sure that the spark ought to be advanced. The other is equally sure that it ought to be returned. You know what? I kind of I miss Rolo. Like Bring I miss back Rolo. I miss Rolo so much. I almost want to call this idiot box. And between them, they managed to. Yeah, I think I, I think I think we're gonna call it. I think. <laughs> Lack of Rolo. Lack of Rolo is cutting this idiot box short. Get back to your seat. That's fine. Silly robots. We, maybe we should go back and replay the uh, the, the Rolo part again. Oh, don't do that to no, Hope. No, I'm not going to No, because that. that probably is what terrifies her. <laughs> no, but uh, thank you very much for nothing, for losing Rolo. <laughs> Bring back Rolo. Bring, Bring back, back Rolo. Rolo. Bring back Rolo. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on to the idea box now, which is where you guys submit ideas to us uh, through the idea box at universebox.com slash idea box. You just come to this form. You type in your idea for something else to talk about. Do you say robot robot and then click submit and then we have your idea and we have a few questions tonight what do we got here bill let's see here uh that's right i called you bill all right okay first question what robot like invention that exists in the world today would you like to own Amber? i want a roomba and i'll put this in the chat room too you want a roomba i really want a roomba i hate i hate sweeping and vacuuming i want a roomba, a roomba. and if we can get me a robot that folds my laundry too i'll take that <laughs> Okay, and as for me, I'm probably going to say, oh, and I'm showing the dock. Oops. Excellent. Hey, now you know what's coming. Uh, yeah, but I, I I, think I'll definitely have to go with uh, the self-driving Google car that they're mm-hmm. working on right now. Just because I hate driving. 
and I like being productive. <laughs> Both the things which you can do with the robotic, the robot, uh, self-driving robotic. car. Once we get that whole fission thing uh, figured out. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see here. Uh, Emery, do you own anything right now that you would classify as a robot? My smartphone. Your smartphone? <laughs> I don't know. Your smartphone? It can do a lot. I mean, see, I actually use a, the amount of things that this guy can do. Well, my tablet too. Hi, great. Looking forward I actually, to it. I have texts. Um, I, I classify uh, Siri as kind of a robot. Like, Siri is this. kind of a robot. Siri, say hello. <laughs> oh, oh no, it, it did it. But yeah, it does it. It does it. Siri, how are Siri's you today? Siri's kind of a robot. Okay, and uh, Hope says she wants a, a Roomba. I'm fine, for baby her. cakes. Thanks for asking. <laughs> oh, she's sassy. Whoa. Oh, you're sassy, Siri. <laughs> oh, but it didn't say baby cakes. It, it typed baby cakes, but it didn't say it. Aww. She like she calls me baby cakes. Nice. And uh, Hope wants a Roomba for Bye. her cats to ride on. <laughs> that would be fun. I guarantee at least one of my children would try and ride it. Mm-hmm. Oops, oh, yeah, a lot of people oh. are saying phones. Oh, stuff oh my. On. Oh my. Let's just not see what it just thought I said. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Siri is a naughty girl. You'll have to tell me later. Yes. Okay, now this one, because uh, we, you know, we talked about Not Quite Human earlier, and there were other examples of this in the 80s, like the sitcom Small Wonder, for example. Uh, but if you found out your friend or spouse was a secret robot, robot, sorry, uh, would you keep their secret? Anne-Marie. No, I'd cash in on that. You would cash in on <laughs> Just completely sell. Bring me the money. You'd, if I was a secret robot, you'd sell Bring me out. Bring me the money. <sighs> That's a shame. They retain all rights, though. That's a shame. Okay, as for Are me... Are you really surprised? What would you do if I was a robot? If you were a secret robot? Yeah. I would keep your secret. See, you're a better person because than me, but that's not the first time we've discovered that. Be- because <laughs> you, 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 fi- you learned, as a robot, you learned to love a human being, and I would respect that, and I would try and help protect that yeah. until it became inconvenient. And then you'd sell me out. Once the army shows up at the door asking for my <laughs> robot, my robot wife... <laughs> I, uh, I'd, I'd probably sell the you. The army's not going to ask for a robot female. They're not even letting the females that are there do anything. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's see here. Uh, Michael Lucer Robot uh, says, uh, depends, but probably. Uh, probably would sell out. We'll keep the secret. <laughs> Hope and, you uh, would not leave it, burn it, and hit it with your car. <laughs> <laughs> Hope does not like robots. Which, which we'll is why we're actually minute. surprised she's joined us this evening. Uh, and then Angel uh, T says, yeah, I probably would. Uh, not my place to tell people that my friend is a robot. But oh no, it's totally it's, it's totally my place. Oh, and Muster uh, considers uh, the Keurig a robot. Yeah, you know I can kind of mm-hmm. see that. Oh, my, Michael Lucero, robot uh, goes on. If the friend had fooled me thus far, it must be a sentient robot. So that's pretty important. So <laughs> see, now I'm not like selling you out for science. I am mm-hmm. cashing in on you and making you a sideshow. Is a sideshow? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm gonna hold the Meeks Carnival, and we're all gonna see the fun tricks that Robot Bill can do. The Meeks Robot Carnival. Come one, come all, come one, come all. You only say carnival because you know my dad was a carny. Uh, true story. <laughs> That's not um, why I said it. <laughs> okay, Anne-Marie, uh, we're going to get to the feedback here, including Hope's feedback oh, in yeah, a minute. Hope. But why don't we find out what's in the box for next week? Oh, hold on. Let me find the box. Hold on. Beer. What's in the box? Robot. What's in the box for next week? The box. The box for what's next week. A smaller, a smaller already open box. Yes. What could be in the box for next week? Oh, hold on. Let's put that over there. do 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 it is robot stuff. Oh, wait, no. It's college. Yes. Next week, Universe Box is getting our learn on. Our pa- printer ran out of ink. Pack up the mini fridge <laughs> as we go to college on next week's Universe Box. 
What's your major? How long did it take you to pick it? Uh, ever go to a crazy dorm party? Yes. Tell us how you juggled school and a part-time job. Not well. We're talking college next week on Universe Box, and you guys better keep it down or else I'm going to call the RA in here right now. Nerd. I'm, I'm friends with them. Nerd. I with them. So am I. Nerd. <laughs> and also, we are doing a Wonder Box next week. It is a uh, something we've both seen. Goodwill Hunting, because it takes place at a college. Yes. So it was a struggle. Was a, I really yeah. wanted to do Sorority Boys, but, but based never seen it yeah, so of course yes. so new new rules refocusing on the wonder box so uh please uh feel free to send in any uh, old college stories or your thoughts on goodwill hunting yes uh to universe box show at gmail sorry i'm uh, just uh, <laughs> off here uh oh. universe box show at gmail.com uh tweet us at universe underscore box facebook is facebook.com slash the universe box mm-hmm. and the voicemail number is 424-274-2352 again that's 424-274-2352 Three five two. One story from you guys from our storytellers One. this week, uh, but it was actually submitted. And you can totally do this. Submit it as a video. We love videos. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, so, so I'm gonna have to come over there to see it. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm coming back but, over. But uh, yeah, uh, we're going to go ahead and play this uh, video from Hope. Take it away, Hope. Hey, Bill and Anne-Marie. Um, hey, I Hope. regret to inform you that I will not be watching your episode of Robots. <laughs> I am not going to be there. And that's because I have two phobias in my life. The first phobia is a fear of falling from low heights. Like, if I fall off <laughs> something like, high enough that, that it goes flat too. and I die instantly, that's totally okay. But if I fall off something that's kind of low and I'm, I'm going to survive, but I'm going to be in immense amount of pain for a very long time. No, I don't do that. Um, but the other phobia I have is of robots and androids and AI and artificial intelligence and like the robot revolution. Like I have this awful fear of androids and I wanted to talk to you about like how I got this fear and where it came from and are we heading towards that future? <laughs> okay. Dun, this dun, could dun, be dun. hard. Okay, bye. <laughs> Growing up, I didn't have that fear of robots that I do now. Little things, though, really bothered me. I hated watching glitch videos of gamers exposing the essence of how games work, like finding the Triforce in Zelda's castle. I was always scared that they would break the system. It really unnerved me. But why would I care whether or not someone else's system broke? It was their choice to run that risk, right? I think the folly comes from us putting feelings in the machines, that they might possibly think like men. But they don't. Machines aren't men. It comes from our pride as humans to try and make ourselves God in a way. We build machines in our image. This was the theme in a movie I saw when I was 16 years old. It was the movie that started my fear of robots, artificial intelligence, and androids. The Animatrix came out in 2003. Mm. It was a series of nine shorts by seven different directors. It mixed CGI with traditional Japanese anime styles to portray various points of view before before, during, and after the events of the first Matrix movie. Some were about how other individuals, like Neo, saw through the Matrix. An Olympic runner, for example, used his sheer human strength and willpower to outrun the program, only for agents to trigger his body to break and tear an ACM. He fights to continue through the pain and complete the race, only to trigger his real-world self to awaken and see the sentinel robots in the truth. They throw his mind back into the Matrix for him to awaken in the hospital, crippled for life. There were other stories, like a girl finding a loophole in the Matrix while looking for her cat, Neo summoning a disillusioned teenager for help, 
a noir detective named Ash meeting Trinity from the movie in the case to end all cases, and a robot befriending human freedom fighters, reasoning that they were superior to his own fellow robots. The two stories that messed me up the most was called The Second Renaissance Part 1 and Part 2. These depicted the original war between humanity and the robots that led to the events of the Matrix. In the near future, humans used robots as slave workforce while they lived in luxury. They created robots, like God, in their own image. Everything changed with the court case of the android B1-66ER. It was the first time an android murdered a human. It killed his human owners, who it called his pets because they were going to deactivate it. It claimed that it didn't wish to die. This was the scariest line to me. A robot had sentience to understand death. I was terrified for the rest of the film. They used the Dred Scott case from 1856 against B1-66ER, stating that the android, like African Americans at the time, were property and had no rights. It led to him to being destroyed. Humanity rebelled with their android friends calling for robot rights. Then proceeded horrifying scenes of humans shooting robots at point blank, digging mass graves for them, and ripping androids apart as they screamed at their real people. Many robots escaped to form their own nation in the Fertile Crescent called Zero One, which they noted was the birthplace of humanity. They were able to produce state-of-the-line manufacturing. Humans once again turned a blind eye to them as they made the best cars and computers in the world. Money is truly the root of all evil and pride. While the machine's economy flourished, humanity realized their stock markets were crashing severely in the machine's wake. Humans created a blockade to ban trade with the Android Nation. Ambassadors from Zero One went peacefully to the United Nations to resolve this issue. Humans destroyed them, launching a war with the robots. Nuclear bombs didn't work against the androids as the war spread out in all directions. The androids waged war on the entire human race. Since the androids had help in creating human weapons, they knew how to stop the human army. One by one, humans gave over their territory. In a last-ditch effort to stop the androids, humans destroyed the sky to block the sun's energy from them. Androids left their human-like bodies and took the new bug-like forms in the Matrix movies. They were now greater than humans and the new gods of the world. The United Nations fired nukes at the robots, not caring if the humans in the way were killed. The androids took their human prisoners of war and learned to power themselves from human kinetic energy from the brain. This was the final blow as the United Nations finally admitted defeat to the robot overlords. As they signed the final treaty, the robots detonated a nuclear bomb, killing every human world leader left. Now they kept humanity in power plants that we see in the Matrix movie, letting humans live in the Matrix to fuel the robots. This two-parter left me in fear of what could possibly happen. Already we have created machines to outsmart humans as a novelty in the TV show Jeopardy. While people found this funny, I found this terrifying that we were already losing. There's already news reports of robots taking human jobs. As of August 15, 2015, there was a panel of lawyers in Calgary to, to discuss whether or not artificial intelligence should be used in courtrooms instead of lawyers in human trials because AI wouldn't have human emotions to muddle in the affairs of the law. This is terrifying. This is incredibly scary that we're going in this direction. Stephen Hawkins even said, the success of creating AI would be the biggest event in human history. Unfortunately, it might be the last unless we learn how to avoid this risk. In the near terms, world militaries are considering autonomous weapons systems that can choose and eliminate targets. Humans, limited by slow biological evolution, couldn't compete and would be superseded by AI. When some of the greatest minds in our time, including Stephen Hawkins, warns of the dangers of artificial intelligence, you should listen to them. Um, one last thing. I just want to clarify. There is a difference between cyborgs and androids. Cyborgs are humans that have like robot parts to help like you know fix an arm or like they lost a hand or something like that. And what we're doing right now with 3D printing and prosthetics and all that is awesome. Like, that is totally okay. 
An android is a robot that thinks like a human. It's not a human that has robot parts. It's a robot that thinks like a human. So I'm totally okay with, like, cyborgs, and I totally, like, find it fascinating what we're doing with 3D printing and making prosthetics and all this. So, yeah, that's why I'm not watching your show, and that's my fear of robots. (laughs) It's scary how, like, how much we're going towards that road. Like, it terrifies me that we're going in that direction. And... Yeah, okay. Well, enjoy your show. I'll be there next week. Bye. But you're there this week, Hope. There we go. Yes, you are here. You're here now. with all the robots. Robots. No, no, but you do bring up some good points in there. Uh, like yes. like uh, David said in our a- interview, I, I think it really depends on who, who is uh, putting the robots together and sending them out. Like, it, it's all about the, the people putting all this together as to mm-hmm. whether it's going to be really good for us or really bad for right. us. But I uh, thank you again, Hope, for that wonderful yes, submission. Thank you. I, and, uh, oh, yeah, and Hope even brings up, you know, that people can hack cars and stuff like that. Now yes. it's pretty insane. But, uh, again, we're talking college next week. Uh, please uh, send us your stories, universeboxshow at gmail.com, Twitter at universe underscore box. Mm-hmm. The Facebook is facebook.com slash theuniversebox. And the voicemail number is 424 274 2352. Again, that's 424 274 2352. Throw what you know. Sorry. <laughs> that, I'm so excited for the college episode. Yeah, the college episode should be a, a The college a good episode's going to be two hours long. This episode's almost two hours I long. I know, and Excellent. I didn't see that happening. But yeah, we're, we're at the end of it, though. It's time for some takeaways. Takeaways. Uh, if we're going to have uh, robots like we see in the movies, we need to teach them uh, subtlety. <laughs> Uh, most of our jobs will be taken by robots in time. I think that's a given. Hello, I am Robot Anne-Marie. Uh, How are you? Robots that can make you a stiff drink are awesome. Yes, please. And if robots become sentient, we're in pretty big trouble. Pretty big trouble. You should be afraid of that. Okay, uh, yes. we want to thank you guys uh, in our chat room uh, every Thursday night at 8.30 p.m. EST at yes. live.universebox.com. Hope and Muster and Michael and Bobby. Bobby and, and Angel. Stephanie. We've had Stephanie uh, Monica, and Monica this week. Yes. All sorts of good people. Hey, Marie, where can people find you online? Oh, I'm all over the place. You can find me on Twitter at AMD Simone, Instagram, UB Anne Marie. Yes, Bobby. You be Bobby, but I be <laughs> Anne Marie. Um, and I actually just started a new blog this week. It's mm. the Disney Passholder Project.wordpress.com. Excellent. Uh, good stuff. You might see some pictures of me on there. Yeah, just a couple. Because we've been hitting up Disney a lot. That, it's basically, I'm doc- mm-hmm. we just got season passes and i'm going to document all our trips enjoy and as for me you can follow me on twitter at bill meeks you can follow all of the podcasts we do at universebox.com and uh if you want to pick up my book bit.ly slash king sparrow it's a fairy tale set against the backdrop of the natural world and we'll be back here next week to talk about college so college uh, college i i I guess that about wraps it up drink a beer drink a beer (laughs) (laughs) so uh until next time remember Remember to to think think outside. outside Not adjust your computer screen. It's your mind we're changing. Stories set to a theme. Think outside. Universe box. Thanks, guys.